Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to have this week's guest on the show. From the very first time I met her, she blew me away with the sheer force of her personality. Physically and emotionally, she is a powerhouse. A smart, funny, kind, determined, wise, talented, incredibly hardworking woman. Raised by a single mother in Wolverhampton, she was marked out early on in life as one to watch by her nursery nurse teacher who told her mum that she thought she was caring for what would go on to become Britain's first female black prime minister. Well, she didn't grow up to be that. Well, not yet. In fact, she grew up to be one of the country's great Olympians who became the first European to win an Olympic heptathlon. And a heptathlon, for those that don't know, is pretty much all of sports day rolled into one event. It's epic. It's 100 metres. It's the high jump, the long jump, the javelin, shot put, hurdles, and then the 800 metres. And she won the gold medal for that at the 2000 Sydney Olympics, was twice Commonwealth Games champion and a European champion and won two silver medals in the World Championships. After an illustrious career, she retired in 2005 and has since been presenting and working as a pundit for BBC Sports, as well as having her own activewear edit for Next. Two years ago, at the age of 46, she had her fourth child, Troy, with her husband, Steve Finan, who has, well, many strings to his bow, including property development and managing the likes of Magnus, Nona Cherry, All Saints, and most recently, Liam Payne. Between them, they have three children, and they also have three children from previous relationships. To say it's a busy household is a bit like saying she's a bit sporty. So let's dial her up. It's Denise Lewis. What an intro. I feel like I've been stalking you. I feel like <laughs> I've been stalking a friend. It's so wrong. It's so wrong, but it's so right. And what happened to not being the first black prime minister? What a failure. There's still time, babe. There's still time. Did I get it right with the number of kids? Are we up to six now in total? Keep racking them up. Yes, you are. I think, yes, you're correct. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely children. How on earth in lockdown did you manage to be all things to all kids? Because your age range spans from toddlers to grown-ups. Yeah, yeah. I I think it was very much a case of just grabbing the ball by the horns. Um, The kids were almost celebratory because they didn't have to go to school. So that novelty was that just was like fantastic. So we kind of 
got involved with exercise. We yeah. um, we baked a lot, just as every normal household did. We we did the soda bread. We did the sourdough. We did umpteen <laughs> banana breads, uh, and the list was endless. But we exercised as a family, which was great. Yeah. Um, and so I use it as an opportunity. But at the same time, as you mentioned, I've got this fantastic baby boy, um, Troy, who is now two and a half. But the time that I've been able to spend with him has just been golden. Mm. I can't begin to tell you I'm appreciating this fourth bundle of joy, almost like no other. None of my other children had quite this immersive experience with Mm. me, Um, which... I guess it's just the reflection of where I am at this stage of my life, because obviously very busy before, still trying to be an athlete with Lauren, um, juggling, moving, getting married, blended families, settling down. And now the fourth child just came at the perfect time in my life. And so I've been able to spend so much time with him. All his milestones have just been there effervescent and in my face. And I've loved every second of it. I can't lie. He was my savior for lockdown. See, I get what you're saying, because I think if you're coming at it for a fourth time and you know possibly your last time, you're just going to savor every minute, every moment. You're not going to stress about the stuff that tipped you over the edge last time. It's going to be such a a different experience for you as a parent, surely. Yeah, absolutely. All of those things. Um, You know, Steve, on the other hand, was like, whoa, because he's a little bit older than me. Not much, but he was very much. is, Is he 10 years older than you? Not quite, not quite, because that would put him near 60. And um, <laughs> he'd kill do, me for that. He will literally say, Kate, I'm going to have to have a quiet word let's, in your ear. Let's go with that, shall we, <laughs> just to annoy him. <laughs> no, he's, he's eight years older and he's very much, um, no, sorry, seven years older. And he was just more concerned about um, will he have the same amount of energy to devote to Troy as he did for the others? And um, frankly, he doesn't. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> He'll kill me. Um, <laughs> but he did recognise that it was a time in his life where he needed to get the balance right for him. You know, he's thinking about how many more years he's got to work. Um, yeah. You know, he still wants to maintain his health and so do things. You know, he's bought a boat, so he's he's loving working on his is old he? boat. Yeah, he is. So again, it's all those conversations you have with how will a new person, new little one, affect the family? Just like when you bring a little puppy into the world, into the, your family, it's how will everyone bond, gel and, and cope? And I think we've done all right. That is a lot to consider as well. You're quite right. And that is almost like doing a rewind on 10 years, isn't it? It's like, okay, Absolutely. here we go again. Reset. Here we go again. But you don't think, and I think we're just starting to think about, okay, what will the next five to 10 years look mm. like for us? As, as a couple, you yeah. know, Steve's already breaking out in a sweat. He's like, we'll be doing the school run, you know, for another <laughs> yeah. you know, 15, 13 years maybe. But I'm not thinking like that. I said to Steve, if you think like that, it's all going to be negative for you in a way. You know, yeah. you've got to think, Troy's here. He's got fantastic brothers and a sister that will help nurture him and Maybe they'll be driving soon. Some of them already are. And if they need, if we need no. to pick up here and there. Well, you know, Joe's, Joe's 30, isn't he? Steve's eldest son is, is 31. And so, you know, we can call on him if we need to. Basically, you've got free staff. There you go. <laughs> Steve just needs to look at it differently, tell him. <laughs> yes, glass half full. 
Do you know what, though? It's interesting because you two are both massive overachievers. And I can't imagine either of you going half-heartedly at anything, especially parenting. Uh, because whatever you both do, you do it better and bigger and quicker than anyone else always <laughs> I think, you know, Steve has great resilience. I think that's one of his characteristics that I admire the most. He does not give up. He doesn't accept no, and he's always trying to find a way around a problem. Mm. And I love that about him. And I always, I literally dissect the same thing. That Look at the issue. How can we resolve it? Give me the solutions, not the problems. And I think that's what makes us formidable. And we have a great reservoir of energy. Yeah. And so for me, even when I know I'm, I'm my back's against the wall, I'll take a deep breath, calm myself, and try and figure a way out of it. But also, I'm very good at being in tune in my with my own body, my, my mind. Yeah. Um, I'm better at asking for help than Steve is. Are naturally. you? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I, I think I, um, I sold you on a lot, but then once I recognize that it's, things are getting too much, I'll say, hey, someone needs to bail me out right now. Well, that brings me to my first question to you, because I've known you for years and I knew Steve previous to that. I remember when he started dating you, you were like, you're punching. You are so punching. <laughs> he was looking for a challenge, wasn't he? Looking for a challenge in his life. But we were just like, how did you convince her to go out with you? She's awesome. <laughs> oh, there's some stories we could tell, but you go with your question. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> so my first question to you sits around that, that Olympic winning mentality that you possess. Uh, when you won the silver at the World Championships, your, your coach at the time, Charles Van Comeny, uh, said to you, you didn't win silver, you lost gold. <laughs> As I heard you recount that, bearing in mind that the previous events, you'd, you'd won a bronze, so this was a step up. I was, I'm, I'm still stuck in a moment of going, is that amazing advice or is that totally the wrong thing to say? You tell me. Well, a bit like you, I sort of pondered over that. I'm like, what is this guy on? I mean, come on, celebrate with the rest of the nation, why don't you? Um, but yeah. it, did, it, it did kind of make me think as well that actually, if I am to go on and hopefully become Olympic champion, I am going to start to have to really look at how I address success and what success looks like for me and how do I value my my talents and my attitude to my training because I think in order to get the best out of yourself you have to start re-examining the things that you do daily and mm. we can also compare that to how you get through lockdown anything that you want to achieve or setbacks how do you pull yourself out of that and that's the mindset thing and that starts with what you do on a daily basis how do you get up in the morning and view what you want to achieve for that day now for me in that lead up to Sydney in the Olympics, it was how do I extract the very best out of myself um, in my training, what I do off track as well, and do I keep getting into that mindset, making my training better? Um, and it was just things like that, 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 that comment, that phrase altered for me. It was just like, yeah, you didn't win, you were capable of winning, and you didn't. So let's go back to the drawing board and turn you into a winner. I went on to win two uh, medals the next year, two gold medals. So 
yeah, maybe I did learn something after all. Maybe it wasn't such a crass, awful, awkward thing to say. Yeah. What was your face? What did you? Uh, how did you manage your your response to that? Uh, because in that moment, it's like putting a massive pin in your balloon and bursting it. Surely, no, not for me. I looked at him almost aghast, but I did laugh because only <laughs> that only he could say something like that and get away with it. Um, he's Dutch. They're very um, direct. You know, we're not used to that. Very matter of fact, we're not used to that sort of level of bluntness in in Britain, I don't think. And, you know, we do come across individuals like that. And for me, that is like, okay, I'm not taking that personally because I understand that you're trying to extract something from me and you want a reaction, but you want to see and test me whether I'm, I'm up for the challenge, whether I can actually use that as fuel to inspire myself to be better. So when I put myself in his mindset, because I really, as you can tell, I've, I've overthought this. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I've done I've done a lot of thinking about it, Denise. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him. And I'm going, okay, yeah. Now actually, if we go back to 1989, so almost a decade previous, you had you sustained a terrible knee injury and carried on competing by learning to high jump on the opposite leg, which is like Asking Andy Murray to, Murray to go and play left-handed at Wimbledon, right? Which that's what you did. So actually, when I look at what you you did there, if I was your coach, I probably would have been all right with saying, no, you lost the gold. You didn't win the silver because he knows what you're capable of. You are incredible in terms of your determination to overcome whatever adversity looks like. How did you do that? <sighs> I don't know, Kate, if I'm really honest. I mean, I've had years to look back and think about where this sort of determination and where I'm sitting in my little office. I can I can see a picture of my mom, actually. There's a picture of my wedding picture of me, my mom. My mom walked me down the aisle. And, I love you know, that. <laughs> yeah, she walked me down the aisle and it was a beautiful moment. And you alluded to it in the beginning. I've been raised by a single mom. I just used to watch her work herself to a frazzle she worked two jobs literally um first thing in the morning she'll go off do one job come back in the evening wash change and then do a night shift sometimes you know so really hard and part of me was like do I actually really want to ever work that hard you know it's got life has got to be easier than that but actually life isn't easier than that if you want something you've got to work for it and so I think you know Seeing that daily, um, that level of resilience and determination just to get through with no Olympic aspiration, but it was a life aspiration to be mm. better, to have enough money. Um, I, you know, yes, we used to have what they probably call family credit by because we, we earned the right to have it. But my mom was very determined that she wanted to be independent. And so she worked. And so that was just in my DNA, I think. And so... That was why when these setbacks arrive in athletics or you're at a crossroads in life, I do draw on that strength and think after sunshine, there is rain, but after the rain comes sunshine. And so you've got to accept these ebbs and flows of life. Yeah. And there are going to be many. You're so right, because that's that's reality, right? You can't have the peaks without the troughs. And when I look at your mum's story, she was incredibly young when she had you and, and, and thrown out of the house, actually. She was 
kind of, you know, cast aside by her family who were really quite embarrassed at where she'd got to. And I know that that healed in time, but I can't imagine that that, that experience ever fully left her. Um, that, that sense of abandonment and being so alone. I, you're absolutely right. And she is fiercely independent. I mean, she even, mm. even now she won't take as much help as I'd love to give her and I'm begging her to take the help in certain things. But yeah, that, that time must have been incredibly difficult, you know, coming from Jamaica. She was born mm. and raised in Jamaica in, in her formative years to come to a completely different country. Um, she recounts also stories of seeing snow for the first time when she was a teenager, mm. how sort of wowed she was by that emotion. But then also to have that level of, um, I guess, rejection. I think rejection is the right word. It was disappointing. It was, it was fueled by disappointment. You know, my, my grandmother was God-fearing. Bless her, she was God-fearing. And and her, her new husband at that time, was they were just disappointed. Um, my mom felt very much, um, yeah, that she, she'd let everyone down. But she, again, determined, despite being really young, to have her baby and to raise her. And she did, she did a great job under challenging times. You know, imagine if a single parent in the 70s, black woman. Exactly. This is, this is what we forget, the time, yeah. the context of the time. There was probably no greater social shame. Completely. And, and and the fact that she was a woman of colour would have would have only added to that because, you know, I know we have relatives in our family that, you know, were sent off to have babies and didn't come back with them. You know, you, you, there's that. So there's the yes. shame around yes. women who were not married. It was huge. Yeah. Her strength of spirit is is what you are drilling into, I suppose, then. That, that, yeah. that was that was completely tangible for you. Completely. And, and I absorbed it, whether it, it intentionally or subconsciously. And I, I constantly utilise that um, throughout my life in, in all its guises. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Your mother's family did eventually reconnect with her. And which brings me to my next question, really, uh, because you've said before that you're from a long line of strong women, women who raise children alone because for whatever reason, their partners didn't stick around. And I wondered if you grow up with that as your example, no kind of like tangible romantic relationships around you to role model. How does that inform your attitude to relationships and then how do you go on to get it so right with Steve? Because you two are so good together. That's a really, really good question. And one that I probably wouldn't have been able to answer in my 20s, 30s. Mm. Uh, but here I'm knocking on the big five. Oh, I'm, I'm more 
I, I've seen how I've had to develop my relationship with Steve, that compulsion that I have to like, right, he's not listening, I'll do it myself. I'll just do it myself, you know. And that's kind of that sort of narrative going on in my head. Yeah, not responding, not responding. I just need to crack on with it. Um, I won't let me down. And so I guess there was a lot of that in the back of my head. Mm. Can you actually really depend on, you know, somebody else? But I, I guess that's the, the journey of love anyway, isn't it? You know, yeah. letting your heart be exposed, being vulnerable. Um, yeah. Maybe harder for me than most. You know, Steve, would if he was on this podcast, he would be telling you. When I first met Denise, she actually said, um, I am the man and I am the woman as well. So <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> is that what you said? I guess that's what you'd grown up with, right? You were yeah. surrounded by women who served both roles, mother and father, complete, you know, breadwinners, providers. Yes, yes. yeah. And so um, he was like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be a white knuckle ride. <laughs> but, you know, so I, I do think I've had to soften mm. it in a way to let him, uh, to let him in and... Uh, I think in this, this era of renewed feminism, to actually say that, I think it's it's okay to, to just let your partner be your partner and support. Yeah. And, and you know, try and, and, and give him the space to to be that, that person in your in your life. And for a long time, I was just like, well, I can just do this. You know, I don't really need you. I love you, but I don't really need you. Oh, I say that all the time. And it really, it must be so awful to hear that. It's like, all right, stop being so prickly. Yeah. You know, let me hold the door. All right, then. Hold the door. But I can hold the door. It's, you know, it's like, all right, we know you can hold doors. (laughs) But we want it all, don't we? We want it all. Yeah. And it's interesting because we think of it as being anti-feminist. But actually, if you were in a same-sex relationship and you said, "My, my female partner needs me to rely on her, depend on her sometimes, we wouldn't feel that that was anti-feminist. No, you're absolutely right. And a couple of my uh, same-sex uh, partner friends, um, of which ones are uh, god- godmothers to, to my Troy, uh, we have these discussions all the time yeah. about our relationships and so many similarities about what each other expects from their partner. Mm. And that's just natural. That's just life. So you kind of, in some ways, you needed to defrost a bit. Yes. I needed to chill out in one sense and defrost in the other. (laughs) (laughs) What did you find hardest to let go of? Because I I completely identify with this. I'm exactly the same. I can do it. I can do it. I I just think opening up myself to being vulnerable. And like Mm. I I said earlier, you know, about recognising when I need help, you know, I'm trying to do the school run to three different schools. Uh, I've done dinner. I'm juggling. I'm hustling. I'm tired, but I will not give in. Yeah. Yeah. That, <laughs> that mentality that I will not be broken. And, and it can get exhausting when you're doing it too long. And so, no, it's delegating and saying, actually, I, I can't do that tonight I'm not going to prepare the roast meal and with all the trimmings and blah 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 midweek um, we're going to keep it simple and sometimes I'm even really good at this now it's like well I'm not washing up tonight I'm, I'm not packing the dishwasher I'm going to sit down 
And so I've had to let go of just being that machine. Yeah. Because the more, the more I found, and this is over the years, yes, you do it naturally when you've got a lot of children, but there is a point where you have to start regaining yourself and yeah. managing your time and your mental wellness. And you cannot yeah. just be on the go all the time. And that's, that was me. That was me. And I know I have to just let it go sometimes. Just let it go. And so what? They're not packing the dishwasher. My pet peeve, by the way. My favourite is when you open the dishwasher and there's two plates in there and they're just right in the middle. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not worth no, the it's hassle, not worth is it? it. It's not worth <laughs> it. Don't let it consume you. Just don't let it consume you. Otherwise, you're going to miss out on the really great stuff that's happening elsewhere. Exactly, which I am learning. But then as you hit sort of like perimenopause, all that ability to be reasonable and rational sort of just, I don't know, just disappears with your hormones. (laughs) I'm I'm actually dreading it, but I've got a few, as we both do, 50-something friends that are sort of there already. And so, and I think think Troy might have delayed my onset. Because didn't you think when you first found out you were pregnant that you might be perimenopausal rather than pregnant? Yes, because I was yeah. I thought I was hot, you know. You know, anytime <laughs> I was getting ready, I found myself getting really anxious as well at the thought of getting ready. Um, I'm hot, I'm opening all the windows. I just thought, this is it. Denise, let's 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 get going. We're we're about to hit hit that ride, that menopause ride. And um, yeah, so it didn't occur to me for one moment. You know, this is the woman that's had three children that I could even be pregnant. <laughs> I mean, and also, that you must be more in tune with your body than most because of the limits you've pushed it to. Yeah. But I remember sitting on, on an aircraft coming back from Australia at the time. And I was traveling business class, so it was very nice. And I thought, this is my opportunity to really go through all the wines and the, um, the spirits <laughs> and sleep for the duration of the flight. Yeah. No such joy. The first glass of wine I tried, oh, taste revolting. Sorry, can I change it? Second, then I went to, um, I, I think I went to rather uh, some champagne next and I couldn't drink a thing. And I mm. thought that was very, very odd, which then the, the cog started turning. Like, why is my body rejecting alcohol? Why is yeah. that? <laughs> that's not, <laughs> what's that's wrong not, with me? <laughs> this is not how I live. <laughs> um, yeah. Troy was being formed. And to have a baby in the house again. Just love it. Just love it. Oh. But I was apprehensive. I won't lie. I was very nervous, excited. But then it was, okay, this is, this is going to be different again. This is going to be different. How will other people view me? What will my mom think? I mean, at 46, I was still concerned what my mom would think about me being pregnant again. Are you really? I seriously, <laughs> seriously, Kate. I... I took weeks to tell her. Weeks. Did you? Yes. Yeah. But it's not something you, I mean, why did you feel like that? Because of the age that you are? I think the age, I don't know. There was something, I think it was more the age that my mum was going to be more concerned and she was more concerned about my age. The fact that my body was going through, through all that trauma again, because it is, it is a trauma to the body. Oh my God. You know, it's a beautiful thing to happen. You know, if you're blessed and you can, but it is traumatic. The body changes massively. And she just didn't think that, you know, it I really could does. do it. And, and also the health of my, both myself and the baby. So 
there's a yeah. lot to consider. I, I mean, as a mum, I would probably worry as well. And you're right, it is a trauma. You, you think it takes two years for your hips to return to where they were That's pre-pregnancy. Right. That's yeah. two years. Like that, that in itself, if men had their hips knocked out for two years, there'd be some sort of like, you know, <laughs> charity for them. I love it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We'd be raising money so it could be better understood. Yeah, you're so right. You are so right. <laughs> and, you know, and then we're all going at three months off, you know, oh, my, I can't get back in my jeans. No, of course you can't. Your hips yes. around your bloody yeah. ears. But, you know, I, I, was, I was fine. Once I got past it and, you know, it was all like, I got all the girlfriends together and... I announced it to like six of my girlfriends. One hit the deck, literally. <laughs> she just could not take it in because I kept saying, um, there's going to be an addition to the family. One of them thought I meant another dog. Um, the other one, when I said, no, I'm having a baby and it hit the deck. I'm like, what are you doing down there? <laughs> just like, get up off the floor. <laughs> but then there was cheers and whoops and whatnot afterwards. And there was also... A little bit of envy. Yeah. Because I think there are some of my friends that would love to go again, have ah. another child, but just felt it was too disruptive. Or, I'm so with you on that. Really. I'd love to have a, a baby now. I think I'd be a better mum in so many ways. And I don't feel yeah. too old, but I know I'm, I'm in a space with my body where it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so that's why I've, I've just embraced everything because I know... I, I'm, I'm blessed. Yeah. I really am blessed. You are. And my body could do that again. But if, any, if anybody's body can, it's sure to God. It's, <laughs> although I say that, right? You tell me. But is your body like a, I don't know, this powerhouse machine because of all that you've done to it? Or is it actually hanging by a thread in so many other respects because of all you've done to it? I'm quite fortunate that um, the vast majority of my body is still in good order. Yes, I have the odd ankle issues. My knees flare up every now and again. But generally, I'm, I'm doing well. In fact, my body is probably in better shape now than it was four or five years ago. Really? And again, a little nod to, to lockdown because I went for it. I yeah. trained twice a day where I could... So twice. I really, twice, I exploited that opportunity because I was doing all the, the Zooms like everyone else. Um, so I was reconnecting with, you know, some of my presenting mates. So Colin Jackson, he, we were uh -huh. doing these Zooms together with other mates. So, so we had these mass classes. Um, wow. My local school moms, um, we got a PT and she's, she's still, and we are still doing these Zoom classes uh, three or four times a week. And my body just benefited from that. So mm. I'm actually in better shape physically than I have been for an age. Yeah. But I was also determined to, to, to own that body. Um, you know, we talk about hitting 50. You've got to look after yourself. You've got to nurture. I, I'm not fanatical about and crazy about um, what I don't eat. I naturally eat well. I'm conscious and conscientious about what I'm eating. Um, yes, I like my glass of wine. Hence why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> One of the reasons. Um, and but I work for it. Yeah. You can't expect to maintain those sort of that level of um, physique if you don't do something. And no. so I, I was determined to be fit during my pregnancy because I didn't know what I was going to get in terms of labour, and so I wanted to be prepared for that. Um, I didn't go crazy. Just very functional exercises. 
Um, I did a lot of walking on the treadmill when I could. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just, just prepared myself for motherhood and then beyond. But yes, I think training for birth is a really sensible thing to do. I mean, I did it when I had Ben because I just thought, I'm about to push a human being out of my body. I think I need to be in good shape for this. And so I did train throughout my pregnancy. And like you in lockdown, I started doing online classes. I'm still doing them. I've never, I've never worked out so much in my life. I love them. And all my friends do them as well. So even in those long, long months when nobody saw anybody, we still felt like every day at 10 a.m. we were together. Yes, we were. And it's important. Yeah, it's important. And I bet you... You feel mentally more rejuvenated. So, so much. Once your endorphins are up and you've started your day with a big blast of exercise and you're sweaty and you're and then you're all on the WhatsApp group afterwards chatting. And Good I love for it. you. Yeah. And I and I love it. And I'm doing that with moms, um, retired women. I mean, our group must be a group of twenty-five yeah. women, a couple of men in there as well, and age ranging from seventy to maybe 45, yeah. 45 to 70. And we have an absolute blast. We have a great time. Yeah, I love via, it. Via Zoom. It's become my social life. Yeah, it is. Who'd have thought? Now, my final question to you. It goes back to a song that I know you love, Whitney, One Moment in Time. And I wondered if you could pinpoint, not one moment in time, two moments, one professional and one personal that you would most like to revisit from your past. What would they be and why are they more significant than any other? Wow, that is an epic question. Isn't it? I wanted to close with something big, babe. I'm going to be really obvious. The moment you're standing on the Olympic podium, oh, yeah. Olympic gold medalist, your head is in a spin. I bet. You know, it is just all over the place and you can't drink it in. You can't absorb the amount of energy that is circulating you at that present moment. So although you're present, you're not really present. It's just like... You know, you're levitating. Oh, all the hairs on my arms have stood up as you said that. I'm visualising it. And you're right, it must be must be like an out-of-body experience. It, it is. It's an absolute out-of-body experience. And it lasts and it just keeps going 24, 48 hours, 72. And so I would like to go back to that moment where, and not for the, not for the adornment, part of it where you're getting the medal and all that just to feel the energy and to drink it in properly because I don't think I really did yeah even just to be awake that night sitting there in your bed going that just happened like all those little micro moments yes that complete inexperience completely and to re-enter my head and and tap into those emotions of the time because they were racing but I'd like to be able to slow that time down just so I could as I said absorb it all mm. so that would be one of them and I think the the other moment which is going to be a bit random was the first time I landed in Jamaica and saw my great-grandmother for the first time 
Yeah, I was nine. Wow. I was nine. And I'd heard all these stories from my mom about how what a wonderful woman she was. Again, hardworking, grafter. Um, she was one of four sisters. And her mother and father died really young. So she became that matriarch for the sisters, even though she sort of wasn't the oldest one. But she just had that instinct. Yeah. And I remember meeting her, landing into Jamaica at the time. Imagine no air conditioning <laughs> in the airport. It was just, just like... Wall of landing, heat. Yeah, wall of heat, landing um, at Sangster Airport and walking out into this glaring sunshine. And my mom started crying because she saw her grandmother again for the first time with her sisters um, and just being lifted aloft by this woman that I'd only could only visualize really and a few pictures the grainy pictures that my mom had had and being kissed all over my face there was no FaceTime back then was there not at all but that moment wow. of feeling so much love for somebody I didn't really know and yeah. I'd love to be able to drink that in oh but you can still smell the smells and feel the feels and taste the taste yes Yes, yeah. considering, and this, the, the contrast, which was really interesting for me, just thinking about it, was how hot it was outside. I mean, I felt like I was dripping in yeah. a second, but how cool her skin was, how soft and cool it was. Just magic moments. That is magic. Magic moments. Yeah. And that's such an incredible separation and so many families mm. that that moved here had, had that as their experience you know not being able to connect family members in a way that we just take for granted these days the sacrifices were huge weren't they massive massive you know my my grandmother traveled in the Windrush era forged a life here and you know we talk about you know the difficulties the challenges the racism the abuse but still that dogged determination mm. to, to keep at it, to stick at it, to work through because their eyes were on a, on a, on a bigger end game. You know, it was just to, to make a living and, you know, to be part of a society that was very different to theirs, but they just were determined. And mm. yeah, I just think that is something to be admired. And I continue to admire that resilient nature of that generation that has been passed down. And and the, the contribution of that generation mm. to sit at the heart of so much of what we are proud to call, you know, our own. Yes. For example, the NHS, which was a massive yes. call to action for the, to the Windjet Rush generation. And Absolutely. We that. You know, we need our kids to learn that in schools. They need to appreciate and respect how the infrastructures that we rely on came to be. Absolutely. And without that Windrush generation, the NHS would never have got off to the start that it did. Completely. I mean, you've said it everything there. You, you're completely right. Um, and also the transports um, up and down the country. Yeah. I mean, it's not just London, it's Birmingham, it's Manchester, it's Bristol, it's Liverpool. You know, that huge contribution that was made. Um, yeah, and I'm a big champion of that, you know, just looking at our history um, and our British history, that richness of, of diversity that we ought to teach our children. Um, I mean, I know I didn't have enough history, or whether you call it black history, 
I think there is so much Asian history. There is a lot of communities there that contribute to the Britishness that needs, that story just needs to be told. Completely. Every day. Every day and properly. And warts and all. We need to say, warts and all. We, were, we were not always great. In fact, sometimes we were downright bloody deplorable. Yeah. You know, yeah. can't change it, but we can acknowledge no. it. We can acknowledge it. We can learn about it. We can discuss we need yeah. to re-educate and open our minds and discuss the, the whys and whatnots and, as you said, the warts and all. But we move on and we try and forge a better future together. That's, that's the ideal. You know what? Your nursery nurse was so right. <laughs> Buzz, black female prime minister. Come on, please. Put my finger out. <laughs> Is there anything left on your must-do list? Mm. Are you feeling like, I'm okay, I'm, I'm done? I'm always open to opportunities. I mean, last year, during lockdown, or just at the end, um, I don't know how we still managed to make TV. Really, I don't. But um, that rowing experience that I, I took part in. Yeah. yeah. Don't rock the boat. The whole month of August and, you know, the pre-training beforehand. Being at, in open water, the seas of um, the British Isles, it was just the most incredible experience, which I never thought I would do. I'll be honest. Did you enjoy it? I did. Did you? Yes, I did enjoy it after it was over. Yeah. Uh, it was hard. It was bloody tough. It was really challenging, uh, as you would expect. You know, you're, you're in a boat with different abilities, different tolerances. Um, and the, the one motto that you have is keep the boat moving. You know, you can't idle. Someone has to be digging and working those oars. Um, and so at times when we had the teams collapsing around us, I say myself and Kim at, at times. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you had, was, some, you, really had some, you had some people that really struggled, didn't you? Yes, I did. We did. We did. Our blue crew. We had a few members that, you know, found it difficult. And I understand that because it was really out of their comfort zone. And if you're not used to pushing yourself when you're in pain, mm. it, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. So it, dealing with all of that was a great um, sort of leveler and understanding that, you know, it's not always easy for other people, but it was a huge experience for me. Um, I'm not a water baby, so I don't know why I thought I could even do that challenge, but it was it was exhilarating. I mean, when I first met you, we did Strictly Tour together. And that was, again, a brand new discipline. And you were so good. I mean, ridiculous. You just go out there and the quick step, it was exhausting. And you did it with Ian Waite, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. Ian was fantastic. Yeah. His choreography was brilliant. He would come off after your quick step, just like almost like looking for oxygen. You would just took it so in your stride. You're amazing. <laughs> I, just, I like challenges I, I like pushing my body maybe I, I don't know if I, yeah, I've made, made a career out of pushing myself but I embrace the challenge if I'm doing it I want to be I want to be good you are really good I don't mind losing but I do want to apply myself and, and I go for it I try and put all my energies into it um, but I think that comes from being fit you know I'm never all away from a certain level of fitness. So it helps me jump into something new, I guess. And um, I know that with practice, you improve. Oh. And that's the thing I always say to children. You know, you'll never, you will always improve if you keep repeating the skill. Yeah. Always. You're not going to keep repeating something and get worse at it. No. Or are you? I'm just trying to think of an example where that might be true for me. DIY. No matter how hard I try, 
the brain does not connect. No. I, I am proof that actually you can remain eternally bad at something. <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> One so moment. True. And before I let you go, I wanted to talk about your next edit because we are all a nation of active leisure wear now. You know, that's it. Fashion for me is, is a fearful thing. Because if I have to get out of an elasticated waistband, I panic. Um, <laughs> and who better to edit the best of the best than you? I can't imagine that you just sign off on it. I bet you get your hands dirty. I bet it's, you're trying it all on. You're using it. You're working out in it. How does a role like that work? Yes, absolutely that. I said to the next guys, listen, I want to be immersed in this. You know, this, if I'm going to do it and put my name to it, I want to be hands-on. And they've been brilliant. They're a great uh, company to work for. So, yes, it is about looking at the textiles, feeling the fabric. It's about trying it on, working it, putting it through its paces, road testing the equipment, looking at styles, suggesting um, potential um, detail, yeah. looking at the detail, uh, having that dialogue and that feedback. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, expanding the range, um, especially with some of the um, such as the bras, etc., making sure that it was completely workable for all women, all sizes. And that was really important for, for me and, and the, the team. Sports bras, I mean, oh. I, I don't know if I can go back to normal bras. A sports bra is just a bra to me now. Yes, it's life, isn't it? It's, it's, <laughs> it really you, know, you can actually keep it on all day because let's, let's face it, how many times you know, with your bra, you get home from work, what's the first thing that comes off? It's your bra, bra, isn't it? The bra Don't gets slow. You don't even take the clothes off. You actually sort of <laughs> maneuver it behind, pull it out <laughs> from the sleeves and then sling it off. You know, you're free. Oh, I've just got to let them out. Just got to let it breathe. It's, it's like opening the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Denise, thank you so much. You are uh, you're just awesome. I love you. You're great. It's been great to catch up, Kate. Oh, it really has. At the moment, we're all allowed to be back in some sort of pub garden. Please, can we do that? Yes, you're on. It's a date yeah. with wine. I'll even wear a bra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't. Don't. You're with friends. Let it all go. <laughs> what a legend. And if you'd like to take a look at edit of the best activewear out there for next, please do. As always, the show is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Libby Knowles and Richard Hatherall for Yahoo UK. Our beats are provided by Andy Bell. His back catalogue is available on iTunes and Spotify. We'll be back next week with more guests and great chat. Until then, take care out there. <laughs>